First John chapter 4, verse 15. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Father, I love you. I'm thankful for the privilege that we have to worship you in spirit and in truth. Thank you for this gathering. Thank you, Lord, that you brought us together this morning in the house of the Lord to give glory to God, hear the word of God. Father, we know that faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Father, I pray that you'd bless your people through the word of God this morning. Pray for the anointing of the Holy Ghost, Lord. Thy will be accomplished in this service. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. I would like to preach for a few minutes this morning on the love that God hath to us. I don't know of any greater truth to the human race than to know that God loves us. The love that God hath to us. The God of the Bible is distinguished by his love for mankind. There's no other God that I know of in human history worshipped by heathens that is marked as a lover of mankind. The God of the Bible is unique in his nature. In my text, the Bible says God is love. And the love of God is a broad love. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. And it is an indestructible love. God said to Israel in Jeremiah 31 and 3, Yea, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And we know that the love of God encompasses both saint and sinner. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, the Bible says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And... We know that Jesus suffered reproach on earth because of his affection and his attention that was given to lost sinners. Jesus accepted the criticism that was given to him by his enemies and justified his attitude toward sinners by saying, they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. In Luke chapter 15 and 19 and verse 10, Jesus explained his mission by saying, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. In my text, however, John is focusing not on the love of God for the sinner, but on the love of God for the saint. In verse 15 of my text, he describes the confession of the believer. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God. This is confession of the believer. That Jesus is the Son of God. And salvation is available to those who recognize and receive Jesus as the exalted, glorified Son of God. That man is saved who has given, been given by the Spirit an accurate assessment of the greatness of Jesus Christ and has surrendered to the majesty of his person. The believer 
confesses that Jesus is the Son of God. The saved person experiences a union with God that's expressed by John like this. God dwelleth in him and he in God. That is a dramatic, life-altering relationship. God comes to live in us and we live in God. The God who created us, who loved us, who redeemed us, now lives in us and we in him. The gulf between man and God caused by sin has been bridged by divine blood and the enmity toward God ends in reconciliation, relationship, and union with God. I'm telling you that there is nobody that can go from being an enemy of God to being a sanctuary for God and residing in God without being conscious of a monumental change in their life. Oh, glory to God. Woo, hallelujah. Praise God. This is what happens when we get saved, brother. We go from being an enemy of God to God living in us and we living in God. I'm telling you, away with this hope so, maybe so, think so religion. Brother, when you get born again of the Spirit of God, we know that we have passed from death into life. As a monumental change comes in our life. It's these people that John speaks about in verse 16 where he says, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. And I want to speak to you about these two marks of the Christian, first of all, we know the love that God hath to us. And secondly, we have believed the love that God hath to us. We, do, we know the love that God hath to us or for us. And I don't really have words to express the privilege of knowing the love that God hath to us. I think sometimes we take it for granted that everybody knows the love that God hath to us. But the truth is far different. The Christian has been apprehended by the love of God. And we would have never known about the love of God toward us, except that we heard the gospel message that informed us of a God who died for us, loved us, died for us, provided a plan of salvation for us. Philip Bliss, who sang for Dwight L. Moody, he wrote several popular hymns, including Let the Lower Lights Be Burning and Almost Persuaded. One morning before breakfast, while he contemplated the fact that most hymns, or many hymns, spoke of men's love for God, He sat down and wrote a hymn about God's love for man. And he titled it, Jesus Loves Even Me. It goes like this. I am so glad that our Father in heaven tells of his love in the book he has given. Wonderful things in the Bible I see. This is the dearest that Jesus loves me. 
If there is only one song I can sing, when in his beauty I see the great king, this shall my song in eternity be. Oh, what a wonder that Jesus loves me. The love of God was manifested to us in the sacrifice of God's Son. In 1 John 3 and 16, is sort of a companion scripture to John 3.16. In John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16, it says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. God so loved that he gave, we perceive the love of God in that his son laid down his life for us. John says again in 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love. This is the definition of love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. You want to know what real love is? Look at the cross of Jesus Christ. Love is so misunderstood by the world. They sing about it all day long in their worldly songs. But they don't really know what love is. Because they're not acquainted with the God of the cross. But we know what love is. Because God has demonstrated that love by the death of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. If you, if you had never heard the gospel, you would not know the love that God hath to us. Nature tells us some things about God, some wonderful things about God. But you would never know that God had a son and that that son died for you on a cross. Except that you heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. The preaching of the gospel illuminates the God who loves the poet said it like this, How thou canst think so well of us and be the God thou art is darkness to my intellect but sunshine to my heart. The love that God has toward the Christian is a special love. In John chapter 13 and verse 1, the writer says of Jesus, Having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them Unto the end. And he speaks of his special love for his disciples in John chapter 14 and verse 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. And in John chapter 15 and verse 9, Jesus says, as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. And he makes this startling statement in John chapter 17 and verse 23. Thou hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Talking about the Father's love. That you have loved them as you have loved me. That God loves us. Like he loved his son. I'm telling you, brother, that's hard to get a hold to. The love that God has to us. 
I'm sure you remember the a parable that Jesus told about the treasure in the field. This man discovers this treasure in a field. He wants that treasure. He hides it. He goes and buys the field because he wants the treasure in the field. I know there's maybe different ways of looking at that, but to me, that was Jesus who found the treasure in the field. And this was, you know, the forward look, the foreknowledge of God, Amen. seeing the born again children of God Amen. that would result from, the, from Calvary, from the sufferings of Jesus. Amen. And Jesus went to the cross to buy the field. The field is the world. Amen. He went to the cross and paid the price for every man. Every woman, every boy, every girl that ever lived, ever will live. But Jesus knew not everybody was going to accept him. But he saw that group of people who would accept his love, receive his grace. They were the treasure in the field. And Jesus bought the whole field to get the treasure in the field. Brother, you were a treasure to him. You hear me? I said you're a treasure to him. God so loved us. And there's a special love between God and his people. All I remember, a passage of scripture in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, where Paul is exhorting the elders from Ephesus. And he said to them, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Oh, glory to God. I'm telling you what a purchase price has been paid for us because of the love of God for us. God hath made known his love to us. We have known the love that God hath to us. But we've also believed the love that God hath to us. We are believers because we have believed the love that God hath to us. To believe the gospel is to believe the testimony of God's love to us. First John chapter 4 and verse 19 says, We love him because he first loved us. That's the reason we love him. But we heard about his love for us. We received his love. We believed the love that he had to us. And we love him because we believed the love that God hath to us. Divine love draws out a response from us. We respond by giving back to God the love that he deserves. I'm telling you there's joy in believing that God loves even me. Enjoy in that. Praise God. There's a lot of people that's sorrowful in the house of God because they haven't grasped this. As joy knowing that God loves us. My, I have two sons and a daughter. My daughter's the youngest. Kara's her name. When she was about two years old, we were teaching her in devotions, John 3, 16. And she got it down pretty good. But she'd always mess up time after time, same way. 
She'd say, for God so loved me that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I'd say, no, Karen, it says, for God so loved the world. And she'd get it right that night. And the next night she'd say, for God so loved me that he gave his only begotten son. And I'd say, no, Karen, it says, for God so loved the world. And again, she'd say, for God so loved me that he gave his only begotten son. After a while, I quit correcting her. I thought, God, you want her to know. You wasn't just everybody else. He died for me. It's personal, brother. It's personal. You can put your name there. There's joy in believing that God loves you. And there is security in believing the love that God hath to us. Just below my text here, in verse 17, the Bible says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Understand this. There is security in believing the love that God hath to us. Perfect love casteth out fear. Now, we're not talking about the fear of a pit bull. We're talking about the fear of the judgment of God. This is the context of this. He tells us that uh, we have boldness in the day of judgment because perfect love casteth out fear. I'm telling you, brother, the closer I get to the end of my journey, I'm so glad to know God loves me. Praise God. He's my friend. Hey, he's not just my judge. He's my friend. Praise God. The best friend I've got is the Lord who loved me, gave himself for me. Praise God. There's security in knowing that God has a love for us. Telling you it's wonderful to know. It casteth out fear. Problems arise in our spiritual life when we're no longer conscious of God's love to us. Our love reciprocates as long as we believe the love that God hath to us. But there are spiritual problems that arise in our life when we're no longer conscious of the love that God hath to us. We fail to focus on God's loving kindness to us and we get distracted from the continuing expressions of God's love for us on a daily basis. It's the devil's purpose to accuse God to us. The the word devil means accuser, slanderer. And by this means, he caused the first man and woman to transgress. He persuaded Eve that God had withheld something good from her He persuaded her that God had lied to her. God said, you'll die. You will not surely die. 
He convinced Eve that God had lied to her. And by slandering God, he seduced mankind in the garden. And he continues this strategy unto this present hour, slandering God to us and breaking down our confidence in God. He, he told Job, he told God about Job, he said, I'll make him curse you to your face. This is the purpose of God to tear down our confidence in him and rob us of the knowledge of God's love toward us. He uses our failures to deny God's love for us. Because you have failed, he'll say, God no longer loves you. Maybe you spoke unadvisedly, or your child rebelled and went astray. And you can only think of the mistakes you made in raising that child. You made a wrong decision, cost you money, reputation, spiritual capital. And I'm telling you that Satan will keep you in despair yes. unless you grasp and grab hold of the fact that God's love is constant, Amen. that he still loves you. You must believe the love that God hath to us. Amen. Psalm 103 verse 8 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, plenteous in mercy. Verses 10 through 14, he says, He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, and he remembereth that we are dust. We are told in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, if we confess our sins, that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want you to know this, brother and sister. The love of God leaves open the door of recovery for everyone who is truly repentant. You are not hopeless. If you have failed, if you have stumbled, you are not hopeless. You hear me? You are not hopeless. You have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And you can get up. You can recover because you must believe the love that God hath to you. The devil tries to rob us of this truth mischaracterizes the chastening of the Lord. And everybody who, who belongs to God must go through the chastening of the Lord. Right. If you be without chastening, you are not a child of God. But the devil mischaracterizes the chastening of the Lord. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 and 6 quotes from the book of Proverbs my son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. And he says that because there are people who despise the chastening of the Lord. They, they, the devil mischaracterizes it to them. And they faint when they're rebuked of him. And so the Lord warns us 
book of Proverbs, Old Testament and New Testament. Despise not the chastening of the Lord. Don't faint when thou art rebuked of him. Listen to this. For whom the Lord loveth. Hey, y'all get this? For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth. I'm telling you, brother, it's an example of his love. It's an illustration of his love for you when he chastens you. Don't let the devil mischaracterize it. Sometimes you think God's chastening is just punishment and fail to realize God's long-range plan for you. He is correcting you that you might be a partaker of His holiness. Sometimes the devil works through suffering in our lives. Everybody has to go through suffering at some time in life. And the devil misinterprets our suffering. He, it's the result of living in a cursed world. Being a member of a fallen race. Yeah. And Satan tries to use our suffering to snuff out our faith yeah. in the love of God. There are people who suffer much more than others. I'm talking about among the saints of God. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 10 tells us, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith. Listen to this. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren which are in the world. You know, there's a reason why he mentions afflictions here. Because this is what Satan uses in seeking to devour the people of God. He uses the afflictions. And we know that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called you unto his eternal glory, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. From this scripture... We learn what the devil seeks to use to destroy us and to devour us. God says, I'm going to use that same affliction. I'm going to use it to perfect you and establish you and strengthen you and settle you after you've suffered a while. Amen. Oh, glory to God. God's are using it for his glory. The devil thinks he's going to use it to devour you and to destroy you. But God says, I'm going to use it to strengthen you. I'm going to use it to make you a more powerful foe of the devil. It's not always possible to provide an answer to the reason for our suffering. But I do believe that we can always experience positive results from our suffering. Amen. Suffering makes some people bitter. They lose faith in the love that God has for us. So, but some people, it makes them better because they continue to believe in the midst of their suffering the love that God hath toward us. It's in the crucible of suffering that many people blacklist God. They either deny his love 
or sometimes even deny his very existence. Suffering has the potential to sour our relationship with God. And we need to be aware of the dangers. It's not enough for us to believe the love that God has toward us on sunny days. We must believe the love that God has to us on stormy days as well. Amen. When pain is wrecking our body, when sickness persists in spite of prayer, when a child goes astray, when COVID or cancer has claimed a loved one, and when our company that we worked for for years closes the door, and we're out on the street without a job, or when our companion walks away and declares that love for you has died. When things like this happen in our life, the devil is lurking in the shadows to try to take advantage of any sign of spiritual slippage in your life. He notices if you are no longer spending time at your altar. He notices, brother, if your church attendance begins to flag. He notices that if you're not having sit-down time with the Word of God, listening to the voice of God, hearing what God has to say to you. He tries in those moments of crisis to drive home doubts and fears in your life, lies to us about God, but the Bible tells us we must resist Him steadfast in the faith and believing that God still loves us in the midst of our trials. Sometimes it's impossible for anyone to make sense of circumstances in our life. Some situations will only be understood when we get to heaven. William Sangster, the great Methodist preacher of a previous generation, told the story of his only sister. She lived nine years full of pain, suffering. She suffered through 14 surgeries in seven years, had five gaping wounds in her head that marred her appearance. He said only strong nerve people could look at her little disfigured face. Some people would look and say, there's no God, can't be a loving God. Others tried to offer shallow explanations. Songster said, or Sangster said, I was dumb as a boy and I am dumb as a man. He had no explanation. But Sangster knew that the mystery of his sister's suffering would be revealed in time. He said, I'll wait until I get home and God will tell me himself the reasons why. The Bible tells us, I'm telling you, brother, there's some things we know. We know the love God has to us. We have believed the love that God had toward us. We believe the word of God and his promises to us in the midst of our suffering. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know, we know that all things work together for good. Yes. To them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. There's some things we know. 
There's some things we know because the Spirit of God tells us so. Some things we know because the Bible says it so. Praise God. And whether circumstances are favorable or not, whether they, they seem to be true or not, we know the facts, brother. The facts of what God said in His Word. All things. He didn't say some things. He didn't say many things. He said all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them are the called according to His purpose. I'm telling you this morning, God, I felt like God wanted me to tell you that He loves you. Amen. Whoa, hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. I, I, there's a man used to come to my church. I never was able to get him to Christ. I, I visited him on his deathbed. He didn't want me to talk to him, pray for him, wave me off. Went into eternity like that. He came to my church for some years. He and his wife, his sister comes to my church. And uh, his wife had a handicap. She couldn't hear very well at all. And one day she took an overdose of pills and attempted suicide, and they found her unconscious, but they were able to revive her. And this man was telling me about it. He said, they asked her, I said, why, why did you do this? What, what, what's going on? She said, well, I just felt like I was in the way. And this man broke down and wept and cried. He said, he said, I told her, you're not in the way. I love her. And he said, I tell her over and over again that I love her. And she don't hear me. She can't hear me. He said, you don't know what it's like to tell your wife that you love her. And she don't know what you said. And she can't grasp the fact that you are telling her that you love her. But there are people sitting on church pews and God is speaking and telling them He loves them and they're deaf to the voice of God. Don't realize how much God loves them. I'm telling you, brother, when you get a hold of this, there's a response in us. We love Him because He first loved us. Praise the name of Jesus. When you get a hold of this, brother, it'll draw you to Him. Praise God. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And Amen. he's not talking about us bragging on him. He was talking about his crucifixion. If I be lifted up between heaven and earth, I'll draw all men unto me. That was an expression of God's love for us. And Jesus draws us by the love that he has to us. Our love for God wanes when we no longer focus on his love for us. And so the Lord wanted me to focus your mind on the love of God for you so that it'll quicken our love for Him. Amen. Praise God. God wants us to love Him. He wants us to return the love that He gives to us. Amen. Do you love Him? Greatest commandment of all is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We have known and believed. Do you believe it? Have you believed it? Do you believe it right now? The love that God has towards you. It'll revolutionary your spiritual life, brother, when you get a hold of this. 